0: On today's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Nux Misconduct Network of Podcasts, could this be a momentous week for the future of the Vancouver Canucks? What is wrong with the Vancouver Canucks star players? How much runway do the Vancouver Canucks have left in the season? And how close are you to pushing the panic button? We get into all of that on this week's episode and of course our guest this week is brad thomas from the point shot hockey podcast should be a good one
1: you'll be saying wow every time you use this towel
0: he's not a person at all He's a towel.
1: You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you
0: ready? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Power of the Towel podcast, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. I am your host, Nick Bondi. And before you listen any further... Subscribe to Nux Misconduct, network of podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. You get three shows on the network. You get this show, the show you're listening to right now. You get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit with Kyle Bowen and Trevor Beggs. And of course, the post-game show, sipping on a 40 with the one and only Kyle Bowen. So last time we were recorded an episode, the Vancouver Canucks were one and two. Everything was sort of fine in the sense that they still had time to turn things around. And I said it on the podcast. Two and two looks a lot better than one and three. Well, two and five looks a hell of a lot worse than one of three because that's what happened this past week with the Vancouver Canucks. They lost five two to the Calgary Flames bounced back with a 6-5 win in the shootout, and of course lost the two previous games, 7-3 and 5-2, to the Montreal Canadiens. And we ended last episode, there was no real pressure on Jim Benning's job. They still had time to, to turn it around. And there is a slight window, a little, little bit of runway left for the Vancouver Canucks to turn things around. But this is a momentous week. For the Vancouver Canucks and their future. If they have a bad week. I can very much see Jim Benning's tenure. The Vancouver Canucks coming to an end. I'm, I'm basing it off of a few things. You have people like Brian Burke. On Hockey Night in Canada. Saying the pressure is on. You have reports from people who work at Sportsnet 650. The Athletic. Places like that. Reporting that Jim Benning is very much on the hot seat right now. You have a team that is not performing to maybe not some people's expectations. There were there were people out there who said this team would regress. Maybe not to this extent, but there were people out there that said this team would regress. But you have an owner. Look, Francesco Aquilini is not a, an owner who's out of town, who lets... Let's people do their thing, so to say, right? Like, he's a, he's a man who lives in this city. He grew up a fan. He has a Twitter account that he's at least somewhat active on, you know. He has his ear to the streets. And you're kidding yourself if you don't think the reactions of fans on Twitter has an effect on him. Remember, when Mike Gillis was fired, the fire Gillis chance in Rogers Arena, guess what? Next day, canned. Of course, there's not going to be any fans this time to chant, fire Benning. But if there was, it would put a lot of pressure on Francesco Aquilini to get things done. To make a change. So is Jim Benning's time coming to an end? Again, if they have a bad week this week, the Ottawa Senators are coming to town. At the time of recording, recording this Monday afternoon. They have a three-game set with the Ottawa Senators today monday wednesday thursday then they're off to the jets and then a two game road stand with the montreal canadiens ottawa senators theoretically are the perfect time to turn things around everyone's projecting them to be to be bad they're not that bad of a team they're pesky they're not going to be pushovers they they're hanging they can hang around in these games and if you if the Canucks come in thinking that they can just run roughshod over the Ottawa Senators, I think you're going to be sorely mistaken. And it's going to be an even further stain on this season. But Jim Benning, he is, I think—I honestly believe he is under pressure as of right now, but Jim Benning throughout his ca- tenure with the Canucks has been, you know, the cat with nine lives. Every time you think this guy is down and out, he seems to come back. February 2018, he gets a contract extension from the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks, there was no Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes at the time. They were just about the draft, a few months away from drafting Quinn Hughes. They were, they had Elias Patterson, but he was over in Sweden. He got a contract extension. He got one summer of 2019. That was a year he drafts Vasily Podkoles in the first round. That's the year he trades for J.T. Miller with the first-round pick. Moves that a man would make if he was comfortable in his position. And now it's January 2021. Things have changed a lot, not only in NHL, but around the world, of course. You have a situation where there's a flat cap. You have to sign two of your cornerstone franchise pieces after this season, there's pressure on Jim Benning. Absolutely, there's pressure on Jim Benning. And if the Canucks don't show at least a bit of improvement, if they don't pick up two or three wins, even probably, that's the minimum. They got to go two or three. Probably, they got to go three or three. They got to beat They gotta beat the Sens all three games, which is tough. But that's where the, the Canucks are at. And I just want to give you some some quick stats. People say that it's still early in the season. Yes, it's still early in the season. The Canucks have played seven games of a 56-game schedule. But the Vancouver Canucks, as of right now, have the lowest point percentage in the National Hockey League. They have played seven games. As the time of this recording, the Sens have two games in hand on them. The Jets have one game in hand. The Oilers have played the exact same amount of games. You have to start picking up points starting tonight against Ottawa. Why am I pointing out those four teams? Those are likely the f- three other teams the Vancouver Canucks are going to have to battle for the final spot in the playoffs in the Canadian North Division. The Scotia North, the Canadian Division. Early on, and it pains me to say this, Toronto, Calgary, Montreal look like the cream of the crop in the Canadian Division, Right? They look like the teams that will for sure have a playoff spot by the end of the season. Now, the rest of the way, you're going to have to do better than the Sens, the Jets, and the Oilers. And two of those teams have games in hand, and the Oilers have two more points than you. So it's imperative, especially against a team like Ottawa, you go two of three. Even better if you go three on three. If you don't win at least minimum two games, then you're you're almost hoop going down the rest of the way. You, you look at their schedule. They play the Jets. That's going to be a big game Saturday night. And then two against Ottawa, sorry Montreal, three against Toronto, and four straight against Calgary. That's that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Nine games against the cream of the crop of the division. So that's why it's so important to get two or three against Ottawa, and then beat the Jets Saturday night. That's where the Canucks are at. Now, how have the Canucks got to this situation? How have they? How is it already, you know, DEFCON 5 with Canucks fans, on Canucks Twitter, with people who watch this team? Well, there's a number of reasons. First, uh, the power play has been better since JT Miller came back. We said last episode, JT Miller may be the most important player. On your Vancouver Canucks. In terms of what he does for that top line. What he does on the power play. He's great on the half wall. On the power play. But the penalty kill. The penalty kill. The penalty kill is still a huge issue with this team. There is no doubt about it. The Vancouver Canucks. Second most goals against so far this season on the penalty penalty kill. Not good enough. Even at five on five, last in scoring chances against, give up the most scoring chances in the league. So the penalty kill obviously has to be better. I think a big part of it is someone like Jacob Marks from leaving. The old saying is, the, "Your best penalty killer is your goaltender," and he's not here. He's on. He's on a team you're battling to get in the playoffs with in Calgary. And I say battling is you have to at least hold serve against them because again I think it's safe to say early on in the season the Calgary Flames are making the playoffs unless it's an absolute choke job the rest of the way. But you're you're running you're running out of room with the Vancouver Canucks. At this point you need to pick up these points. The penalty kill has to be better because of that and the star players. Let's you know I I was I was asked I had a I had a radio hit on SportsNet 650 this past Saturday, officially a Capital P podcaster. Because of it, so thank you to Jamie Dodd for letting me appear on the radio. Much appreciated. But what he asked, who who's to blame for this current situation? Who is to blame? He said he, he, there was three choices, players, coaches, management. Of course the players right as of this moment. The players have, have a big pl- part to play in that. Look, these star players have to be better. No doubt about it, these star players have to be better. They're uncharacteristic turnovers from our star players. Elias Patterson, think about that game Saturday night, turns the puck over the blue line, breakaway for the Canadians. Quinn Houston, i not have a th- good third period. couple of bet turnovers that led to goals. These guys have to be better. If the Canucks want to turn things around, these star players have to get things going, especially especially at 5-on-5. Five five. I, I, I have no worries, really, about the power play. That will get fixed. Even Elias Patterson scored a goal 5-on-5. Five five. Hopefully that gets his confidence going. But these guys got to be better. These guys have to be better at 5-on-5. Five five. The big news to, uh, last night... While we were actually recording this upcoming interview with Brad Thomas, Elias Pettersson switching agents. Is it time to panic? Is it time to push that panic button solely because Elias Pettersson switched agents? You know, of course, the bit the, the natural reaction of a lot of these fans right now for the Vancouver Canucks, team's not going, not playing well. Things are going off the rails. Oh, is Elias Pettersson going to demand a trade? Oh, is Elias Patterson going to hold out next year? Oh, is Elias Patterson going to do this, this, and this? Look, I think it comes down to this. His old agent probably told him, hey, let's hold off negotiating with the Canucks this season. If you have a big season, let's bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. It's a popular phrase. Bet on your, Especially with, you know, players right now. Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. Have a really good season. You can probably demand more if we wait until end of the season, and we all know what's happened after that. He's not had a good start this season. He's probably thinking, shit, I missed out some money. Let me, switch to the, let me switch to the same agent as Quinn Hughes, and that's what's interesting to me. He has the same agent now as Quinn Hughes. They are now a block at the negotiating table together because both these guys are RFAs at the end of the season. I can see a situation where you know, they team up and they say, Yeah, you know what? We'll sign matching contracts, but we want some changes. We want some changes here in management. Remember, Patrick, I believe it was Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. I'm going to look it up right now. They signed exact same deals coming out of their ELC. Like, it was a tandem deal. It was almost the exact same deal, if not, you know, a year apart. I'm going to look it up right now. Patrick Kane... Here we go. Yes. Okay. Exact. So, yeah, this is what happened. Coming out of their ELCs, they signed exact five-year $31 million deals together. I can see a situation that's similar with Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. They're a package deal. They want to be they want to be here. I don't have any doubt they want to be here. But maybe they want a, a bigger stay in personnel. And I wouldn't blame them. I would not blame them at all. So don't panic, Canucks fans. Elias Patterson's not going to hold out. Demand a trade. I just think he's get he, him and Quint Hughes are going to team up and demand maybe similar contracts. Maybe the exact same contracts. They're going to stay. Don't worry. But maybe they want some changes elsewhere. Okay, so we mentioned it earlier. Our interview for this week's episode of Power of the Towel is Brad Thomas of the Point Shot Hockey podcast.
1: Just a minute! Don't hang up! Yellow. hello. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel.
0: All right, so we now welcome on the Power of the Towel podcast. This man is part... Of the now point shot hockey podcast, it's Brad Thomas. Brad, how are you doing today?
1: Good, buddy. Thanks for
0: having me on, Nick. No, no problem. Uh, first off, I just want to say that you know if you haven't heard, we've been having you know a good stretch here at the next Wisconsin Network. We've been doing well, and you, I almost canceled this interview. I almost had to pull out the right last second because I, I can't trust a guy with two first names. I just, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't do it. Like, how, how can I trust a guy? How do, I, how do I get to trust a guy with two first names? I, I just something name. about it, it's just it just doesn't sit right with me.
1: It signals power
0: having two first names. Is that is that what we're going with? Yeah, it's just showing a power. <laughs> okay, okay, so n- nothing to worry about here, nothing nothing shady.
1: <laughs> no, it's my real name, yeah,
0: <laughs> okay, not, not a pseudonym or anything like that. That's always good. So, uh, first off, we have some breaking news literally just as we started recording this elias Patterson is switching agents he's fired his old agent oh did i break that to you yeah that's okay yeah elias Patterson has the switched agents and i'm on elliot freeman's page right now let me just pull this up here word is it will be uh pat brisson so i don't know who his agent was before, but he's getting a big name agent is it time to panic is it time to panic that he's switching switching representation
1: um, I mean, the case with Elias Pedersen this year has been a little bit weird. I think uh, Marksville leaving had a bigger effect on him than we all thought. Uh, Friedman brought it up on Hockey Day in Canada Saturday, and I think that's true. Like, I think Chris Tanner leaving, I think there's a lot of stuff that Pedersen feels uncomfortable in his environment. And especially without, with COVID and everything, too. He's probably by himself most of the time.
0: Yeah. And uh, Kelly Rudy brought it up as well. Like he got ripped on it afterwards, but he said like, Hey, maybe Bo Horvat should, uh, should, you know, take Elias Patterson out for a drive and you know just go out and glib." but it turns out you can't do that with the COVID protocol. So everyone ripped them for it. <laughs> but like, yeah. it, it, it brings up a good point. Like this season, if you're, if you're struggling as a player, you don't have those same outlets as you would in previous seasons. Right. Because essentially you are, you're stuck to your house. Like you can't yeah. really go out or do anything like that. It's, at the end of the day, you're kind of stuck alone with your thoughts, which can't, which is necessarily a good thing for for some people.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've all heard the legendary stories of all the boys going to the bar and getting ripped, uh, ripped, and having a good night. Um, but then for this situation, yeah, I, I think Peter Pedersen does need to change something up at least. Maybe even if it's just mental, something like shaving his head or whatever he has to do to get it going again. Uh, they all got to try and get it done because it's been a rough starts the season for him for sure
0: yeah i heard his uh, past agent told him to not score goals and play terrible to start the season that's why he's switching representation
1: kid told he told, he told him
0: to play terrible this year and you'll get a bet you'll get a better deal that's why he's switching agents that's just that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just a, the tip i'm getting right now
1: that's some big brain logic if that's true <laughs> oh my god how, how would how would playing bad get you more money
0: I don't know with Jim Benning, like he seems to be handing out these big contracts, to fourth liners. You don't have to play oh, well for him. I don't, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think he really, know, I don't think he really cares about, you know, the numbers as long as you're, you know, doing well in the room, he'll give you that fat deal.
1: I was wondering what you were setting up there. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. then. <laughs> uh,
0: but, in, but in all seriousness, I think that, I think why he switched agents and this is literally as we we're recording, this is going to come out on Tuesday as we're recording this, like the news broke that he switched agents. I think it honestly comes down to his past agent probably said like, Hey, let's hold off negotiating a deal right now. Let's see if we can get a better deal next season. If you play even better, you'll probably get an even better deal. And now that's not coming true. And he's probably thinking, well, I lost a bunch of money. I lost a long, long long-term deal. Maybe I'll only get a bridge deal now. And yeah, I think he just said like, okay, I don't want to get this guy's bad advice anymore. I'm going for the big boys who can, you know, negotiate these deals.
1: Yeah, I mean, the agent change is a clear signal of a panic button for sure for Pedersen. I think you're 100% right there. I think uh, he probably may have uh, lost some money to start the season for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it, it results in Pedersen demanding and pulling up Dubois and asking for a trade or anything like that. No, I
1: no, never. I, yeah. I'm sure,
0: like, that's where people are naturally going to go to online and on Twitter, but I don't I don't see that happening, right? Like, I don't see him demanding a trade like knock on wood, all right. Like I don't see that yeah.
1: happening. my God, can you imagine if he ends up in Calgary too? Like that would literally be just nightmare. Yeah, if they, if they offer sheet him, because that's the thing. Like but, he, yeah, he's a RFA, you know, with
0: full protect. Like you only some team would have to offer sheet him, and you presumably that would make the Canucks' job easier because it mm-hmm. would just match it and figure out yeah. the next step later.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be similar to the Aho situation where even though he'll probably get some offer sheets, but the Canucks will match it no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned the panic button. Where are you at the panic button right now? Where are you in terms of the panic button? I said it on my podcast. I said it on sports at six fifty that before the Montreal series, I needed to see two or three wins against Montreal. And I need to see two or three wins against Ottawa for this team to get back on track. If we could do that, then I'll put away the panic button and we can deal with the rest of the season as it comes. Obviously they, lost two straight against Montreal. Ottawa's coming to town at the time of recording. They have to essentially win the series against Ottawa at the bare, bare minimum. And most likely given the standings, they have to win all three games, right? Like if you don't pick up, you know, I'm trying to think like, if you if you don't pick up the six points, preferably in regulation, you're going to, you're going to struggle the rest of the season to, to catch up even at this stage. So I think for me, I'm not going to get ask you a scale of 1 to 10. I'm just going to ask you, whereabouts are, are, is the panic button in your room? For me, the panic button is right here on this desk. It's within reach. I, I'm looking at it right now. I can stare at it. I can easily push it. But I'm not pushing it yet because I want to see how they do against Ottawa.
1: Where is the panic button for you right now? My, mine's uh, a little bit different. Mine is one, one more key injury. I think any one of those four key guys go down. Or you lose uh, – even someone like Edler and Myers, just someone – a veteran, like you saw how much they struggled that game Edler was missing. Well, not that they were great with Edler, but like uh, I think they're one injury away from possibly that being like, – yeah, that's a wrap on the season already, especially with what you were saying. Uh, all these games are four-point games. We're playing mm-hmm. div- our division the whole year. So, yeah, uh, it's cr- extremely critical to get some points here against Ottawa. Absolutely must to at least get two wins here. Two
0: And Ottawa, I don't think is, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars incompetent this year. Like they're going to be, they're going to be okay. They'll probably still finish, you know, close to the bottom of the division or probably at that bad bottom spot, but they're going to be pesky. They're going to be in these games. They're not going to be an absolute pushover. Right. And with with the the way the Canucks are playing, they got, they have to be on their A game against the Sens, right? You can't roll roll. You can't expect the Sens to roll up and roll over for you. You got to you got to put in a much better effort than what we've seen against Montreal, right?
1: Absolutely. Like the the amount of odd man rushes and two on oh breakaways and like what is going on? Uh I have no idea where this work ethic has disappeared to. Uh they give Jake all the hard time in the world, but it's the entire team minus Bo Horvat so far that has just not showed up at all. See, I don't even think the team
0: defense is that much worse. Than last season, I just think we don't have a guy named Jacob Markstrom between the pipes. Yeah, to to paper over a lot of these mistakes, right? And the the Canucks were still giving up two on ones last year. They were still yeah. giving up you know, odd man rushes, tons of shots against. And maybe it's a bit less pronounced this year because, like, let's be real. If a goalie makes a save on a two on one, it's easy to forget that there was a two on one. You you just intuitively with your mind you remember the two are ones that go in the net you don't remember the ones that get saved or what have you right so absolutely again yeah. like i think jacob markstrom losing jacob markstrom has been so apparent this year in terms of their team defense because then i don't think they're that much worse than last year they just don't have a goal you can bail them out
1: yeah um it's just been honestly the whole off season was frustratingly up to the season obviously to leaving and especially playing it to fully now it's just the biggest uh, backfire that we could possibly get the way he's been lighting us up like no tomorrow. And then having playing against Markstrom, he gets a shutout against us. Even I think Ken chipped an empty net too. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just been a rough off season for the Canucks.
0: In, in hindsight, who do you think hurt the Canucks more losing this off season? Jacob Markstrom or Tyler Toffoli?
1: Between those two, um, I'd still say Foley because I, I do think uh, Demko will come around at some point this year. I think he obviously has that in him and he's just having a little bump in the road. I'm not as concerned about him as I am with the rest of the team. So yeah, Tyler Foley would be my key piece. Um, the Foley over, or Vertanen over Foley decision is a little, very confusing to me.
0: Yeah, and I, I tweeted this out after the, the hat trick game and honestly, after that, that game like a Saturday, I was honestly just, I was just like, thank God Defoli didn't score. That was, that's where my, my yeah. head was at as a Canucks fan. <laughs> I'm just like, thank God this guy didn't burn us anymore. But again, like I I, I tweeted this out after he scored a hat trick. It's there's something so visceral and so in your face about Tyler Defoli scoring a hat trick into his first game, where again you could have kept him if you don't qualify Jake Retan and move some other money around. That just it's impossible to ignore the cap situation. The Canucks. Are are in when when yeah. Tyler Foley scores a hat trick against you, and I know it's it's been it's been reported by a bunch of people. If you don't qualify Jake for Tannen, if you buy out Brandon Sutter, then you probably have enough space to t- sign a guy like Tyler Foley. You know, I I think it's a bit more complicated than that because I don't think Aquilini was in the mood to buy out anyone this offseason. If you look at some of the you know the moves they've made in terms of laying off staff just outside of hockey, yeah, with the Vancouver Canucks, but. Again, it, it goes back to the fact that, again, you can quali- don't qualify Jay Britann in the easy part, but you can, there's also moves you could have made around around just not buying out Brandon Sutter if you don't want to buy out Brandon Sutter that could have cleared the mo- this, this, the, uh, the necessary space. We see it every year, right? We see it. You just yeah. have to give up a couple assets and you can move some of these ba- bad contracts. If someone wanted to take that last year of Brandon Sutter or the Jay Beagle, if you throw in a draft pick, you probably could have got a deal done. And yeah. I know it would have been a, a tough pill to swallow, but you would have been able to clear some space and get a guy like Tofoli signed.
1: Yeah. And then we could have had a good team this year. Like there's no it, having Tofoli and H. Smith in our lineup would have been a big improvement on last year's team.
0: Yeah. And it goes to show that, you know, this past offseason, you know, I said it after the dust had settled, it seemed like this was the offseason that. Jim Benning's past mistakes with the salary cap came home to roost. Yeah. And I honestly, and maybe I, I got away from that looking back, maybe I got away from that take in my season preview. Again, I thought, you know, getting Nate Schmidt was a good trade. I thought Hamnick was a good signing in the sense that it avoided the disaster scenario of, you know, we <laughs> playing Jordy Ben significant minutes if there's an injury and we've already seen the Canucks blue lines, has been decimated and Now we haven't played Jordy Ben and yeah. Travis Hamnick, hasn't really looked that impressive so, so far and fair enough. He has not played competitive hockey since last March, March. It's going to, it's going to take a while for him to get up to speed. But it, it, again, like I did not expect the Vancouver Canucks and it feels like we're doing a post-mortem right now. It feels like the season's already yeah. over. It feels like if they win two or three or three or three against the Sens, they're right back on track. But the margin for error is just gone right now. Like you, yeah, again, it's, it, it, you know, the old saying with the season it's a marathon, not a sprint, not this year, not against, not a 56 game season when you're only playing within the division, right? Like you got to, you got to start turning this around right now.
1: hundred percent. And you know what, like going back to all these cap moves and stuff, one of the big reasons everyone's talked about the character and the justification for that. uh, But you know what? All the guys we lost were all character guys. They wanted to be here. They fit in our group and everyone who's played on a sports team knows how much uh, team chemistry it it does impact the skill. Uh, when you're around your friends, it makes you feel more comfortable in your environment, in that locker room, going on road trips, everything. You're more happy to be at the ring. And losing all the guys that they've lost, uh, the guys that they kept do not uh, do not the Beagles, the Sutters, like they're not useful to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the guys in the room know that players like they have to know at this point, like guys like Beals that are not worth their contracts and that has to yeah and that has to drag on them somewhat especially you know the top line the top players like the JT Millers the the Brock Bessers the Elias Paris ha- it has to weigh at them at this point right like and again they yeah. haven't been that good this season especially at five on five I can see the power play starting to improve and the power play is going to have to be at the level as it was last need year. The it. Up. They, need need it. It. they need the power play to, to get back to the level it was last year if they want to make a move here. But they got to be better at, at five on five, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, just getting the puck up the ice and then not getting trapped on the way back. Uh, the neutral zone, they've been losing a lot there too. It seems that they can't maintain any sustained pressure for long periods of time as well. And the third periods also I've noticed too, they've just been giving up at the end of the games.
0: Yeah, and some uncharacteristic turnovers from guys like Elias Patterson. Right? Yeah. Like you, you think about that last game against Montreal, he turns it over at the blue line and it's a straight breakaway that for yeah. uh, for Montreal, right? There's just uncharacteristic stuff from Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes in that third period had a couple of turnovers that led to goals and we can and Tyler Myers and, and sorry to rip on Tyler Myers just all but he had a he had a poor third period as well you know he had he's had a tough stretch and it's tough to see it's tough to see your top players not Tyler Myers is a top player for this team but it's tough to see especially guys like Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes playing as poorly as they are right because I said at the beginning of the season if the Canucks want to you know get to not even be better if they want to get to the same level they were last year those two guys have to be you know the one some of the one of the best players in the league at their position like Elias Patterson has to be the best one of the best centers in the league and Quinn Hughes has to be one of the best defensemen and it's a heavy task it's a heavy task for to ask them to do that but that's where this team is at like they need to be extraordinary
1: for this team to yeah. be a, to be a team like we saw in the bubble yeah because it's because of the sporting cast again like you said too it takes that pressure it puts all the pressure on these guys and that's why it looks like Pedersen's trying to do too much all the time. Because what's he going to expect? Antoine Roussel to do uh, to do something special? Like Zach McEwen, Adam Gaudette, none of these guys in our bottom six are chipping in anything. And even on defense as well, besides Quinn Hughes, like, you love he isn't better than expected, but everyone else has just been a nightmare.
0: Mm, and and going, so speaking of the lineup, like what lineup changes could you see the Vancouver Canucks doing in in the future or over this next little stretch to get things going well what can be done in your opinion like who would you move out who would you move back in
1: like what what can be done at this stage the player I'd like to see I'd like to see Justin Bailey get one shot in the lineup at least for just one game and uh I'd take Antoine Roussel up because I think Roussel is a player that gets a free pass like no tomorrow I don't understand why um I keep got it in and uh I think that would be me and Brandon Sutter would come out which I'm okay with too, because I think Beagle's a better penalty killer and the faceoff guy. If it comes to the clutch situation, let's say we're up in the game, that's gonna be the guy that's gonna come out. Sutter is just kind of uh, meh, right? So that he, did, believe... he did have that one nice goal though, that one nice backhand yeah. goal. The credit yeah, to him, that's a nice it. goal. I mean, you know what? Like, there Sutter has his moments sometimes, and but it's not consistent ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- uh, absolutely. Going back to, yeah, going back to Carolina, going back to Pittsburgh, I think it's been the same situation with Brandon Setter's his whole career where he has flashes of that being that like two-way center that he was drafted to be, but yeah, it's just never come to be.
0: Yeah, no, I do like yeah, I do like your Justin Bailey idea. I would like to see him at least get a shot kind of in that bottom six as well. And in terms of Antoine Roussel, I think it's tough for these energy guys. You know, Antoine Roussel's built a reputation as an energy guy, right? You know, yeah. hard in the four check gets the guys going. It's probably hard to do that without a crowd, right. Without, you know, energy coming I mean, back. Exactly. Towards you. Like yeah. it seems like he may be struggling this year more than any other play on the Vancouver next solely because there's, there's no crowd. Like, you know, the guys like Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, are so in the zone when they're in the zone, they, they, I, I would assume they don't even notice the crowd. It's kind of just, it's kind of just in the background, but a guy like Roussel feeds off the energy off a big hit or, you know,
1: plays like that. And, for him, it's got to be tough. No crowd. Um, I, I, I just read a little bit there. I think the whole team feeds off the crowd. I think when you look at the Larshiders' record of when the Larshiders in the building, every time we we're, were there, the Canucks absolutely torched teams. They were putting up five goals on average, five, six goals on average. We're winning games like seven, one, eight, one goals or whatever <laughs> the LA game. Yeah. It's been unreal. It's been almost like a Seahawks atmosphere for those games, and the players definitely feed off of it. Um, But I think definitely with the energy guys, like Roussel, with the fights, I think especially, like you can't, the fight in the silence with Myers was so weird. Cause usually the the whole arena gets pumped up, even if he's like losing just for hanging in there, you know, like uh, the crowd definitely gets fired up. And I think that's been something that's been missing for them as well. Like I don't think you can expect to see too many players drop the gloves for energy this year.
0: Yeah, no, it it was definitely weird seeing Tyler Myers fight in general, first of all, but not seeing like a crowd reaction at at any point. It was definitely very jarring uh, during that Montreal game. Uh, Let's talk about the goaltending a bit. You said you want Demko to like start taking the reins a bit. When are we going to see bubble Demko? I'm waiting for bubble Demko to show up. Like when's that happening?
1: I think we all are too, man. And it's been concerning for sure to start, but also, uh, you have to also give Braden Holby some credit, too. I think Colby was the better, better goaltender so far right from the camp going to the start of the season. And obviously, the wins reflect that record because he has the only win. Um, but it is in this format, that should have been the Canucks' biggest strength, that they have two good goalies. So it is, a, it is very disappointing because I don't think any other team in this Canadian division has two good goalies.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important more than any other season to have two good goalies or two competent goalies. Like you need a good platoon system this season with a with a condensed schedule, with the amount of back to backs, and just yeah. the, the compressed schedule in general that a lot of these teams are going to face. So I do like I did like the Holby signing at the time. I thought he was as a good uh, a good addition, but he hasn't seemed to found. You know, we the big concern with Holby coming in was he was declining and it it would assume maybe it it seems ridiculous now looking back, but everyone assumed if he came to the Canucks, it'd be a better defensive system. That hasn't been the case. The Canucks have been probably worse than the capitals last year. Defensively. It's been, it's been absolutely, it's been absolutely brutal. And I was on the, our, our post game show, sipping on 40 with Kyle uh, last night. And he said like, Ian Clark's got to, you know, go meditate with these guys after (laughs) the game. He's got to get things going. (laughs) And like, I think it's like, I think it's an, it's ridiculous to think that like Ian Clark can like just wave a wand and Brain Holpe is going to suddenly turn back into a 2016 Brain Holpe who won the Vezina, right? Like yeah. it takes time. With, it takes time with these goalie coaches to, to get things back on track. Like the perfect example is a guy we just had, Jacob Markstrom. Think about when he came over to the Canucks and how long it took for him to be the starter. It took what, four or five seasons. Like it took a while could spend time in the yeah. AHL. Like, you know, goalie, goalie coaches aren't, you know, Wizards, they gotta, it, it takes time. And it's, I don't think the goal, the goaltending, I hope one of these guys figures it out and takes the reins because that's going to be the best situation, honestly, for the Canucks going forward. It's just one of these guys figures it out.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the dream scenario. We want to have that problem where uh, who, who are we going to sit because we, they're both really good goalies. That's the problem we want to be having this year. And I think it's been extremely frustrating for that. The way it's gone, and I think with depth, especially, you look everywhere. I think Montreal's well, a great example of the guy, uh, they lost a the guy. Corey Perry comes in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Puts it, chips in a goal, right? Uh, depth is so key, especially in this format. I think they did not play the format as they should have. I think we should have grabbed a lot more depth going into this year.
0: I, I think, yeah, I think it's a good point. But the problem is with the salary cap situation the Canucks are in, I don't think that was even an option. Like they they struggled just to, you know, sign some of these guys that they wanted to keep. Like they couldn't even sign a guy like Tofoli, Markstrom. Like they couldn't keep these guys because of the salary cap. And it's been reported that from, you know, numerous sources that Jim Benning's sort of on the hot seat right now. You know, depending on how this stretch goes, how this week goes, um, especially against Ottawa coming up. Uh, at home we could see we can have a clearer picture of where jim benning stands with this organization i mean i'm just gonna yeah. ask you right now like should jim benning should jim benning be gone by the end of the season or should he be given more time like do you think jim benning gets gets uh fired during season or do you think that's the end of season thing or do you think he finds a way to keep his
1: job i think if they make the playoffs he'll end up keeping his job I don't, think, I don't think they can justify firing him if they make the playoffs, right? But if he doesn't make a move to clear any cap room at some point this year, I think that would be my answer to, like, if he'll get fired in the middle of the year or something. But right now, I think he's looking sitting right on the hot seat. Like, the seat's on fire. The seat is on fire at the moment. And he does not have flammable pants on. His ass <laughs> is burning. <laughs> yeah, It's, it's like, piping so, yeah. hot. The seat is piping yeah. hot. It's like he just went to Taco Bell. That's the feeling he's got on his butt right now. Like, oh
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I like yeah. that analogy. You know yeah. what? I think
0: so- I think I said it. I've said it before. I think COVID is going to be a big reason why a lot of these guys keep their jobs at the end of the year. I think a lot of these guys are going to be able to say to their owners at the end of the year, "Look, I didn't get a fair shake this year. I got a shortened training yeah. cap. I didn't have preseason. I didn't have a full off season. You know, the salary cap didn't go up. It was a shortened season with only divisional games." So I think maybe like Jim Benning survives, honestly, like kind of like he's been, he's like a, Jim Benning in his career so far has been almost like a cockroach. Like you can't, you can't finish this guy off. Like yeah. every time, every time he's, you think, Oh, Jim Benning, he's finally going to get fired by the Vancouver Canucks contract extension. Like remember, I think it was February, 2018, right around trailer line. He got a contract extension. Everyone's like, what the hell? Like how did this guy end up like surviving? Then he gets one yeah. summer of 2019 it just seems, it just seems like he had he's he's gonna find a way somehow to keep his job, especially if they have a good week against against the Sens. If they if they do well against the Sens, then I think the uh, the fire bending movement from from uh, Aquilini might slow down a bit. But if they let's say they lose two or three, or God forbid they lose all three games, then then I can see I can see some changes. Like I don't think Francesco Aquilini. He's not. He's not a. He's not an owner who lives out of town. He's in the city. He, he has a yeah. Twitter account, for God's sakes. Like he must know the, the temperature of the fan base right now. And if it gets to a point yeah. where it becomes untenable, then he. I think he's going to pull the trigger.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, you just reminded me of the last time he was on the hot seat for that previous contract extension. Right? He goes out and he grabs Tyler Myers, and just it seemed like my opinion that was a move. He was GMing to save his job. Whereas this time, I feel like the move has to be the opposite. He has to shed a contract. He has to do something drastic where he can say, okay, the next night might not be good this year, but at least I have this plan for next year. He has to show some sort of plan or some kind of strategy because next year we know we got the two big contracts coming up, right? Uh, Pedersen and Hughes, and then that's going to be killer. So we have to find a way to build around them. You're going to have in coming in. You have Hoglander on as ELC still potentially a jack Rathbone steps in right so you gotta find a way to make some moves and then you can have a really good team going forward the next two three years there's no reason this team can't be contenders if you they get some cap room
0: yeah that's a good point i think the vasily pod pick was he was also a, a pick from a gm that had comfortability in his in his job position yeah right? like because if you draft a guy like pod colson it's he's a russian he's gonna we all know the russian system like he's still pod colson's probably nhl ready from what i've seen yeah. personally at the world juniors and what people what people have been saying online people who watch you know who, who, who scout for a living but you know he hasn't been able to come over here so if you draft a guy like pod colson that tells me that you're pretty comfortable in your position and you, you have enough yeah. time to wait for this guy to come over here like if he if you thought oh man like i i may not be here next year i gotta i gotta do something with this pick then he either a you know pick someone from north america who the canucks have a bit more control over or he just straight up trades the pick and he didn't either
1: yeah yeah no i 10% agree there i think definitely pod colson was a comfort pick because you're not gonna wait on a guy if you're if your job's in trouble 100 agree man and i just
0: watching the World Juniors. The guy I wanted from that 2019 draft, sorry to get off track, was Trevor Zegers. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> he, he got picked right. This classic Canucks got picked right before they had the chance. Yeah. Imagine sure yeah. this team with Trevor Zegers right now just, or just the possible yeah. oh, coming in like, next year sometime or later in the season. It'd be a yeah. game changer.
1: Yeah, I was in the building that night and the, the air went out. Of a lot of people went. Uh, I was there, too. Hit. Yeah, no, I was at the yeah. draft, too. I yeah. was choked. Yeah, that was the, the guy. I, I, I think Dylan Cousins ended up going at eight, though. That was the one I got really excited about. Like It it was the kind of like the meme where it's like, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Personally, yeah, Cousins was the guy. I thought Cousins was going to go top five. I think he's going to end up being a top five talent, top three talent from that draft when they look back at it. And then G- Seacrest, exactly like we saw – a rare thing from the world juniors, especially in the sweater of hockey with all the hockey gods and everything that where someone makes such a douchey statement and he went out and backed it up and we can't take anything away from him for that.
0: No, I love that. I love that cockiness. And you're right. Like I love the world juniors as well. I've said it before. I'm a world junior scout. I don't watch, I don't watch, you know, WHL yeah. OHL QMJHL. I just purely base my prospect opinions on the world juniors and that Zegers guy is going to be a stud. And that cousins guy is going to be a stud too. And we yeah. could have had him anyways, but it, it, and enough about that. You know, again, the, the Canucks coming up, they have Ottawa in the three game series. And I think they play the jets. I'm going to look it up right now. Probably should look it up before, but they playing Ottawa this week. So by the time we release this episode, they will have played that first game against Ottawa. Then they play the jets for one game. And then by the time we release our next episode, they play the Canadians twice, so three games against Ottawa, one game against the Jets, and then two games against Montreal in Montreal. What do you think the Canucks' record is after that six-game stretch?
1: Uh, I'm gonna say they go 500 on that stretch, so they're gonna get two 30. wins and over two wins and an overtime loss. Or five games, okay. yeah.
0: Okay. Do you think they? Do you think how? What do you think they do against Ottawa?
1: I think they get pulled one against Ottawa and then they're going to win the first one. And then the second one, they're just going to be thinking about that, how they won the first one and they're just going to completely let Ottawa have an easy win.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 So uh, I want to ask, I, I like to ask when I have fellow podcasters on the show about, you know, how they got into podcasting. So like what drew you into talking about the Vancouver Canucks, did to get involved with the Vancouver Canucks in this way? Like what drew you to podcasting?
1: Well, I was in a group chat with uh, with some of the large writers, and it just came up uh, a couple summers ago. We were just talking all summer, and then uh, in that group chat, it goes off sometimes. Like they mm-hmm. just oh come, yeah, go, no, I I we, can we, imagine we with with uh, Tej and Nav, etc. And then you know what? We ended up just putting a team together and forming the large cast. And then so I was with that crew for a while, but obviously, uh, as everyone knows, I'm not a huge fan of controversy. So yeah, I ended up. <laughs> I end up. Uh, you, seem, you seem like a
0: very chill guy, like, Yeah.
1: From, the, from how I'm talking to you. Yeah. yeah I can, I can stupid, see it. it. It's unfortunate that, like, how it happened, but yeah, I, I ended up deciding to leave. And then uh, Sean reached out to me. He introduced who he was collaborating with. And I was like, oh, okay. These are some interesting people. And I got to know Sam and Malcolm. And holy shit, are they some fun people? Like, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun with this point shot stuff. Uh, we recruited Carter over. We added josh ray recently yeah just went uh, on the show discussers yeah so he's been really chill having fun time uh and yeah you know what like i think that's what point shot's about lately it's just been having fun like we've been trying to collaborate as much as we can with the community just have a good time uh talking the canucks is great as well but like we now we're even going to random other things like now we've had this whole adventure with operation boat we call it where we're trying to gamble and win money to buy a boat, even though we don't really. How's that going? A boat, we... I mean, so far it's good. Sometimes, like we've had our moments where. Because uh, I have a those...
0: gambling show as well, so I, I pro-
1: I've yeah, had a bit of nice. cold streak right now. So. Oh man! You can give me some we tips. Are, we are downhill right now, but you know what? Actually, no. Yesterday I hit on Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, oh, put ten yeah. bucks. You I don't. I don't, I don't even
0: try to gamble on on UFC because I don't know. I don't know enough about it. So,
1: but he yeah, was the underdog, say, I assume. He was, he was the, the betting underdog, but realistically in that fight, they were so even, and especially, with see, see, being I the wish why
0: didn't you tweet this out or something like that? I would have, I would, I wish I would have known. I would have been all over it. Oh, what the hell?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Yeah. I've been working a lot, but costing yeah. me money. yeah, there, it's, that was the one. And then it ended up being today, right? The, the bills got a little greedy there, even though I picked the bucks. I was like, the bills are going to come through for me. Didn't cash out when I should have. And yeah, it burned me in the end.
0: Yeah. it's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I had the, I, I, I was about to take the over and I was on one of those streaks where like, I'm second guessing myself. Like, you know what? I'm usually take the over. I'm going to take the under. And then of course the over hits. So it was a, it was a rough, uh, Rough, uh, rough game between the the Bills and the Chiefs for the old bank account. But uh, I had Sean on my podcast. He was like one of the first guests we had on this podcast. But back back then, it was called the Area Fifty One podcast. What the hell? Yeah. Why'd you change the name? What what the hell was wrong with Area Fifty One?
1: Well, the first thing was a lot of times we get questions from people who are not so diehard fans. Uh, the diehards know the original name for Pederson was the Alien, right? So then we're getting a lot of questions about it honestly to the point where it's like you know what maybe we should make a more hockey themed name and also we kind of wanted to change the direction of our show a little bit we started adding some just getting a little bigger so it's like maybe we should commit to something that we can all really commit to and that idea that we all really like that's marketable and something we can do like that and that's how we ended up after a long process so we had a lot of debates about what we wanted to do, and it was hard to like go out of the Area 51 name because uh, Sean had put a lot of work into that brand, so we wanted to make sure that it was something that he was comfortable with and something that everyone liked. So yeah, we ended up going with Point Shot Hockey.
0: Okay, so it wasn't my original idea that the CIA came calling and that <laughs> you had to you had to come change the
1: name. It wasn't it wasn't anything to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I should have told that story. Holy <laughs> shit, <that'd> <laughs> been- <laughs> that's how I'm gonna tell it next time someone asks. Thanks, Nick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know yeah no feel free to take that story next time someone asks just say like the cia contacted this us and said we con- you can't have a podcast this big called area 51 podcast you're blowing up our spot like what the hell are you doing
1: yeah that's a great answer i don't know why i didn't think of that that's amazing <laughs>
0: So you, you're making it sound like you forced Sean to change the name. You've made it, you're you making it sound like, you know, all the people who are working with the podcast with like, we don't like this name, Sean,
1: change it. We need a name. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't like the name. Uh, the name was good. It's just, uh, we wanted to rebrand the show a little bit. We were going through some changes, obviously uh, with Sam getting a little bigger, she has a little more reduced role in our show. Right. So uh, we had to kind of re switch things up a bit to find something that fit a little differently. And, we want to launch a slightly different product, just under a different message.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is Sam blew up and then she became big time and now she <laughs> now you have to you have to change the name because of it. She was no, she was no, being not. selfish, is what you're saying. <laughs> it's not fault at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to find someone to blame because I like the area fifty one. I, I don't like change. Like I don't like change. Like, why'd you have to change the name? I like that. No, I
1: mean we might still do some area fifty one throwbacks. Like we do like that old logo and stuff too. But, yeah, uh, we just Point Shot was something that I feel like we can run with a little more. And that's what uh, we ended and, again, after a long process, we went through a lot of names. And you'd be surprised what hockey podcast names are out there. Like, we just, like, say pr- something. Oh, that's good. And then we'd look it up, and it's already existing. It's like, oh, my yeah. God, there is a lot of hockey podcasts in this world. And we were surprised that Point Shot was available, honestly.
0: Yeah. I would have thought, like, someone started, like, a Point Shot at, at some point. But I guess, you know, Point Shots aren't that exciting, so –
1: yeah yeah definitely (laughs) but you know what we like it we got a great defenseman here quinn hughes that's going to put a lot of point shots for us going forward we had some famous moments off the point and that's kind of where we kind of put that together
0: see see i I like the branding so i like i like the canucks connection from that i I like that a lot so um brad thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast and uh yeah hopefully we can we can do this again sometime i like having like i've had like some bigger national people on recently. I like having the local, local podcasters on once in a while. Like it, it's good to for get sure. back to just like local Canuck stuff.
1: Yeah. And especially now that you're in Vancouver, yeah, let's meet up for beers It's when COVID's done for sure.
0: All right. Thank you to Brad Thomas of the point shot hockey podcast for up and on our podcast. Very much appreciated. And we're going to end the episode with some panic button talk. I love panic button talk. I live for it. I love how everyone's talk about the panic button. Are you pressing the panic button? Where are you with the panic button? And I was asked this cre- question on uh, Sportsnet 650 this past Saturday with Jamie Dodd. Where are you? I think it was a 1 to 10. Where are you in terms of the panic button? I said around an 8 or 9 with 10 obviously being you smash that panic button. But I like to describe it this way. And I described it. And it's Hearing this Elias Patterson news has not changed things. The panic button, again, like we, like we said with Brad Thomas, it's on the desk. It's on the desk. I'm staring at it. It's in within reach. But I'm not pressing it just yet. They got to win two or three against Ottawa. Minimum. Beat the Jets on Saturday. That's how I avoid pressing the panic button. If they don't do that, if they don't do that, then yeah, full, fully press that panic button, Canucks fans, smash it, hammer it, do whatever you gotta do. But if they don't win two of three against Ottawa, beat the Jets Saturday night, again, these are four games against teams you are probably battling for for that final playoff spot in the Canadian division. If you can't get results in regulation against these teams, the next four games, then, then I don't know. Maybe we're, we're looking at a very early death march this year. Maybe we're looking at a situation where the Vancouver Knucks are just playing out the string. I don't want but I don't wanna I don't want to even think about that. Again, beat Ottawa two or three, beat Jets Saturday, and we can all avoid pressing the panic button. But again, this is a very big week. For the Vancouver Canucks for their future. Next week, when we next record this episode of the podcast, could we see Jim Benning gone as the GM of the Vancouver Canucks? It's a very real possibility. All right, that is this week's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Power of the Towel and myself, of course, at Nick Bondi. You subscribe to the network, you get silky and filthy puck talking bullshit and sipping on a 40, our post game show with none other than Kyle Bowen. Once again, this is the Power of the Towel podcast, part of the Nux Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.